Hi everybody. Welcome to episode 36 of Spoken Word with Electronics. This week I'd like to talk about one of my favorite memories. My father has always enjoyed radios and stereo equipment. Something I certainly inherited from him as an interest. He built his own speakers and subwoofer cabinets for our living room and the subwoofer speakers inside of the cabinet itself. And he loved to experiment with different wiring systems for sharing signals all over our small home. This involved him spending a lot of time in the crawl space between our basement and our front floor. It was a single-story house in Denver, and they finished the basement for me and my brother to occupy, and then there was about a two and a half to maybe three foot tall crawl space in between the two living spaces. I thought it was a great privilege to have an entire wing of the house, though now I joke it was also fairly convenient to store the children next to the water heater. We uh, made quite a bunch of noise down in the basement. (laughs) But basement living was really good. My parents are good people and they gave my brother and me a very good life. I'd mentioned a few weeks back about our Atari 400. Dad also got us a CompuServe account which is one of the earliest bulletin board systems and internet-based communities. Very similar to America Online. So I have an early memory of email before I'd have any clue on what to do with it. So I had email for about a decade before I ever sent my first message. My dad also liked to splice and split cables. He loved the idea of an intercom system, which he installed between us, my parents and my brother and me, in the basement and them in the kitchen. And he liked to get a good deal. (laughs) So uh, we would have one cable TV box, which he engineered to route to various TVs in the house through a variety of AB switches. An AB switch basically is this or that. So if you switch A, it goes to the A, destination or B it goes to the B destination and this allowed us at the time to send the cable signal either to their bedroom or to a TV in the basement that we had or the kitchen it wasn't a distributed signal it was rather just a switch so both TVs couldn't watch TV at the same time but he later modified that so that all TVs could watch one cable signal simultaneously but it had to be the same channel It's not like modern TVs right now, uh, modern cable systems. You set the cable channel with the cable box and that got distributed to all the separate TVs. This got even more complicated if the VCR was set to record something off cable later in the night. You would just set the VCR to record channel three and you would set the cable box to be whatever channel you wanted it to be. And damn it, to always check the VCR for a red dot before I turned on the TV. Come on, Ethan. Please listen to me about this. It's something my dad might say. <laughs> Stuff like that. If you change the channel on the actual cable box, like I might have, to watch maybe Fraggle Rock on HBO, that was often something that would pull me into the TV, it would record the wrong show. And I got in a lot of trouble as a kid many times for not seeing the red dot on the VCR indicating a show was set to record. I mean, most houses don't even allow their kids to watch the TV. 
Ethan. Do you understand? Most houses don't give the children this kind of privilege. But I just ask for you to please look for the dang red dot and do not change the channel. Don't even turn the TV on if you see a red dot. How about that? <laughs> Got it, Dad. I'm sorry that happened this time. And I'm just going to do this the next time. <laughs> that was terrible. If I saw the red dot, I was told I should know not to change the channel. And my dad would cuss at that point. <laughs> Especially if it was something that he was really looking forward to uh, seeing. And now I completely sympathize with my dad. But to my parents' credit, they liked that I was a curious person and they didn't like to limit that. And that included giving me access to the TV, which at the time was just one HBO channel. And uh, I think maybe ESPN, maybe something else, and the regular TV. So, you know, he's at home and we work a lot. Let's just let him uh, play with the TV. And I appreciate that. And I'm sorry that I screwed up recording uh, any soap operas or... Oh my gosh, I think there was actually a boxing fight that I... My dad turned it on and it was uh, cartoons, something like that. <laughs> Sorry, dad, but you shouldn't have given me that damn chance. My dad was unable to get the boxing show ever taped because I think Scooby-Doo was on at the same time. And hell, if I'm going to miss that while they're out, I'm going to turn the damn cable box. Oh, but I'll remember to put it back on the, on the boxing channel, of course, which I never did. Ha <laughs> ha. Sorry, dad. Should have uh, locked the TV up. My parents uh, put up with a lot of this for me. I, uh, I like to switch channels on things. I, I like the opportunity just to move around with the switch. And so I, I apologize because a lot of times it wouldn't even be that I was uh, watching anything. I might just play with the cable box without turning on the TV itself. You know, because the cable box itself would show digits. And so I would like to walk up to it and press up and down on the channel thing without even turning on the TV. So I thank them for their patience. And I'm sorry about any shows that they might have missed. I eventually did figure out that if there was a red dot, to leave it alone. And compared to modern DVRs, where you can often tape four shows simultaneously while watching other TVs at the same time, this sort of just set channel three to record at 8 p.m. and set the cable box to whatever channel you want to record, effectively locking up the entire viewing options for everyone else is certainly something to think about. First world problem by every means, but a funny one to think about how technology and communication has evolved. But that is not the memory I want to share today. It's not even the reason for this episode. This episode is about radios and the crazy sounds radio tuners can give you if you operate them incorrectly or not as intended. In the basement one day, my father dropped off what would become one of my favorite toys. He had just upgraded his AM-FM receiver and was giving us his old one, a 1970s Marantz 2200 series receiver. These are amazing receivers even today, and if you keep them in good shape, you can still get a lot of money for them. They hold their value very well, and they are uh, just booming loud. I don't remember the actual number of the 2200 series receiver, but I remember that it had a wonderful blue lighting 
uh, behind the dial and silver panel and fancy switches and buttons, uh, including an AB, a tape routing, a bunch of other things. And unfortunately that describes most of those Marantz 2200 series receivers. So I can't really narrow it down beyond that. I do remember that it had switches and buttons and a lot of ones seemed to have buttons and dials. It had buttons, dials, and switches. And the switches were for uh, routing the tape and some other cool stuff. And it got very loud. So my dad built a attenuator into the speaker cables so that we couldn't over crank it. So that was a nice consideration on my dad's part. Because uh, if you're giving the kids something like a Marantz radio receiver, they're gonna crank the damn thing. And the entire receiver was overkill for my brother and me. I mean, he, my dad just wanted to upgrade his radio or his receiver, and I think he didn't want to feel terribly guilty about it, so why not just give the kids the old one? But this is kind of like handing a Corvette to a kid. It would play our three vinyl records and our four cassettes. I remember there was a Duran Duran cassette and a Minute Work one that was yellow. The case was yellow. The Duran Duran cassette was red and I don't really remember what vinyl we had. But very important to me, the Marantz 2200 series receiver had a radio and a big one. A big, uh, most of the real estate on the front panel was a radio. And this was the first time I could ever experiment with routing signals using the receiver, which my brother found rather infuriating because I would just set something to output to tape on a switch, or I would turn off a speaker, or I'd move our cassette line into the phono input to hear how loud the signal would get destroyed by distortion. That was an accident, but a very wonderful one to discover. You can try that right now <laughs> with any receiver with a phono input. I also played with the ground wire from the record player. But the joy that I truly found with the Marantz 2200 series receiver was the radio dial. Marantz receivers of the 1970s had these incredibly overbuilt rubberized dials for moving the radio station around. And it had some resistance on it. And it kind of felt like you were moving a gondola up and down and back and forth on the screen. There were a lot of mechanics to make that the smoothest dial in the world. And in fact, the radio dial was 90% of the horizontal display space on the entire thing, with a lot of really wonderful fonts and lettering. And That radio dial could take a whack, too. And a lot of times I would just spin it madly like it was something from Chuck E. Cheese. Like I would just grab this, the radio dial and slam it up and have it, go all, you know, have it go all the way up the dial and back, just smack in and back forth, and it would almost bounce off the wall of the chamber inside the radio itself and behind the glass. But it could really take a hit, and I love to do that, and I love the sound of different stations that would collide into one another through doing this. And it's a habit of mine that built itself up over years, and was a joy to discover when I was older, a few years ago, that uh, you can do this automatically with control voltage and certain radios. Change the channel this frenetically, make it insane. And you can also then control that crazy signal to put rhythms into a series of 
uh, channel changes, like, you know, channel one, channel one, two, 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 channel one, channel one, two, 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 like that. You can move that around with control voltage on a control voltage equipped radio tuner, which is a great noise. Beautiful colored uh, incandescent bulbs. If you rolled the dial back and forth, you'd see the needle, which was a big white piece, I think either plastic or painted metal, behind the glass, moving around the dial very accurately to your gesture. It was as big as a car console, and the movement was incredibly smooth, too. Provided a uh, super nice accuracy when the smallest gesture would edge the receiver. Uh, where the smallest gesture would edge the receiver that much closer or farther away from the perfect reception of a radio station. These were all very good experiences, the glowing receiver and the moving dial. But it was a mishandling of that dial that I most enjoyed and I'd like to discuss today. So this week I'll demonstrate control voltage radio dial control. Anyway, uh, a way to make a radio sound batshit and crazy is with control voltage. And that'll be our discussion this week. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Following that for side A, we'll make some music with radio dial manipulation. And then side B follows the Charlie Pickle story on part 18. Let's jump now into the discussion on control voltage manipulation of FM radio, AM radio, and shortwave receivers. <laughs> 